Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. I was reading an article this past week on fatherhood, and this statement was a part of the article, and it grabbed my attention. It's by Brian Loritz. Part of being made in the image of God is we were meant to be fathered. A part of being made in the image of God is we were meant to be fathered. To all of our fathers in the house, we love you. We appreciate you. Your voice is unmatched. Your love is deep. And your presence is felt. Men, I believe that one of the things that we need is healthy relationships with others. There's a familiar verse found in Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There is great importance to having healthy relationships with others, especially men with men. I read a study this past week, and it was titled, The Connection Between Friendship and Fatherhood. And the study points to the ways that a father's other relationships may impact their ties with their own children. Importantly, Christian men who report a positive relationship with their father growing up are consistently more likely to say they were very satisfied in their relationship to their own children. Strong, supportive connections outside the home matter as well. Data showed that friendships, especially intergenerational friendships, tend to correlate with greater overall relationship satisfaction. Practicing Christian men who report having intergenerational relationships or friendships with both older and younger men are nearly twice as likely to be very satisfied in their relationship with their own child and in their marriage. Let me explain that. It's important that you develop friendships with those who are older than you and also those who are younger than you. It'll bring health to your life because you'll draw from each other's experiences. There is something that we can learn from those that have gone before, and there's also something we can learn from those who are coming up behind us. We can also impart value one to another. Another thing we discovered in our study for today's sermon is fatherhood in America is changing. Here are some of the key findings about fathers from Pew Research Center. More dads are staying home to care for their kids. Dads see parenting as central to their identity. And dads are just as likely as moms to say that parenting is extremely important to their identity. Another thing this study found is work-family balance is a challenge for many working fathers. Just like mothers, many of today's fathers find it challenging to balance work and family life. Another thing the study brought out is it's become less common for dads to be their family's sole breadwinner. 
majority of families today come from two-income households. Another thing I thought was interesting is dads are much more involved in a child care than they were 50 years ago. Can the ladies say, thank you, Lord? I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16. There's a passage of scripture that's going to be our foundational scripture for today. I want to read it, first of all, out of the New Living Translation, and then we're going to read it out of the Old English, the King James. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 16 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Notice love is the, is the balance. Love is the counterbalance of everything. Now listen to this verse in the Old English, the King James, because I think it's, it's, it's imperative, and I like it for Father's Day. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Look at that man close to you and say, quit you like men. He won't know what you're talking about. <laughs> quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Today we've titled our thoughts, Fatherhood the present father. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, dads, I know I'm my child's present. I know I'm my wife's present. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not the type of present we're talking about today. We're talking about being present, not being a present. We know you love being a present and getting unwrapped. Okay, that's another, that's another time. All right. <laughs> but what we're talking about... <laughs> Get warm. He's going to start getting nervous in a minute. (laughs) And our sons are dying. Remember, my mama's here today. Oh, oh, sorry, Nana. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Now I'm getting warm. (laughs) But today we're going to be talking about being present. It's not just about being at the home or being with the family present, but it's really much more than just that physical presence, although that is a very um, a, a, a main part of it. But it's really about going deeper than that and emotionally being there, spiritually being there for your family. So being present in this context has three different areas that we're going we're gonna to look at. If you're keeping notes, write for number one, home. Present in the home. So yes, physically present. Be there. Taking time and having time spent with the ones that you love. Being present, being engaged And being there for not just all of the the big moments, uh, though those are great, but also being there for those day-to-day moments. There's 
There's really no substitute for the presence of a father in their child's or their family's lives. It's, your presence is more important than any amount of money that you can spend on your kids. You need to be making time to have with them. You need to be creating moments and memories with your children, with your family. So being there means that you are being engaged with your families. You're connecting with them uh, on an emotional level. You're listening to what they're saying. You're hearing what they're saying. And then you are responding in what they're saying. Society has really, in my opinion, downplayed the importance sometimes of, a, of, of having a father figure within the home um, because a lot of times the father isn't present in the home. So we're like, I'm fine. I don't need them. I'm going to be just fine, you know, without them. And, and just having some transparency, you know, a lot of times uh, circumstances uh, are the way that they are. And fathers, uh, my parents got divorced when I was 10, right around there, and they, uh, they, we lived in different places. My dad was in the military. He moved. So the ability for him to be present all the time wasn't realistic. But one of the things, and, and I just feel prompted to say this, one of the things that I appreciated that my mom always did, she never, ever talked negatively about my father. She never brought in whatever it was uh, between their relationship into mine and my dad's relationship. She said he is your father and she respected him for that and then and she encouraged me to have a relationship with my daddy and even though there were was a distance I was still able to make those connections but it's really important for us to to realize there is so much more that that a dad brings a father brings into into a situation I I think of it kind of like ice cream um, you know, ice cream's great, and you can have plain ice cream, but then when you can put some sprinkles on it, you can put some other, you know, things, uh, caramel, it, it just makes it that much better. And what our, our fathers bring into the relationship, bring into the family is so much more, making it so much better. I'm your topping on your ice cream. You my topping on my ice cream. You my sprinkles, boo. So... When we have a healthy relationship, a healthy father figure in our homes, it's definitely a win. It is a win. Fathers bring in stability, they bring in security, and they bring in healthiness. So if you're keeping notes, the next one, men, you are needed. You are needed in our families. It is so important because every little boy longs to be mentored by his father. Every little girl longs to be adored by her daddy. Now, there is, at, at the heart of fatherhood, is masculinity. And the world right now, you know, they don't want you to be too masculine, they don't want you to, you know, be too assertive here. But let's look at what the word says. The world has kind of a negativity that comes with it. But let's see what the word says. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Watch ye, stand fast in your faith. Quit you like men. I looked at him. I said, what does that mean? 
quit you like men. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. Be strong. Let all the things be done with charity. I like the way New Living Translation says it a little better. Be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. So the first thing let's talk about is watch. You need to watch, you need to be on guard, and this has a spiritual significance. And I want you to catch this spiritual significance here. This terminology frequently um, is described, describes the expectation of the return of Christ. So Paul is, is reminding the Corinthians to be expectant of the return, the second coming of Christ, looking vigilant. Uh, for the return of Christ, and it implies a readiness that includes a lifestyle of holiness and service to Christ. It reminds fathers that they need to have a long view in mind. They need to have a goal in mind and keeping their eyes on the goal, and that goal is to live with heaven's perspective. Not only are we to be watchful, but we are to stand fast. And this terminology in the original indicates the, the constancy with which followers of Christ should hold their commitments in the face of adversity and strife. To hold to their commitments, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be true to your word. Be true to how you live out your faith. Not only your relationship with Christ, but also... Let your word and your commitment to your family stand true. Nothing speaks louder than your commitment to your spouse and your commitment to those around you. And then we get to that old English terminology, quit you like men. If you look in the original, it simply means this, play the man, be the man, be courageous. Do what the circumstances are calling you to do. Now, Christy brought out that masculinity today has a little bit of a negative overtone, but we, the church, need to reclaim true masculinity. Yes. You need to quit yourself. It's to discharge one's obligations on every man lie the obligation of a man. And we need true manhood today. We need true masculinity today. We need men to be men and women to be women. Amen. Let me go ahead and say it right now. We need men to be men and women to be women. Masculinity is important. A man who is truly masculine embraces responsibility. Loves and honors and protects and provides for his family and loved ones. Masculinity is one who lives with integrity, motivated by conviction, not comfort or convenience. True masculinity is not determined by how much physical strength a man has, but rather the strength of his character. It's not a matter of how much wealth and, and power a man has, but what he does with the wealth and power that he does have. A truly masculine man is courageous and uncomfortable compromising his convictions and we need some men who are uncompromising in their convictions of the word of God he's a source of tenderness a place of safety for those he loves true masculinity requires the courage to live with authenticity 
to measure our strength and our worth by who we are, not on what we have or on what others say about us. Craig Wilkinson writes this, For many men, life is a constant quest to find identity and validation and to prove that they are what it takes. And then in the article, he stated, At the core of this is a deep, secret fear that men are not quite adequate as a man. The liberating truth is that you don't have to play the man, simply be the man. Be you. Be the man. You don't have to prove you're the man. You don't have to prove masculinity. Show it through your tenderness. Show it through your leadership. Show it through your presence of being there. You are the man and so much more if you don't have a constant need to prove it. Let me tell you where we go wrong is where we try to prove it. As if we got something to prove. So we're always trying to prove. And it's really a lack of insecurity in our own life. Be secure in who you are. One of the best things that we can give our families is a healthy me. What your family is looking for is for you. Not some shadow of you, not some figment of your imagination. They're looking for you, being a true man. I believe Paul hits the nail on the head when he writes to the Corinthian church. And I think it's a good definition of manliness, true masculinity. And then he goes on and he says, be strong. Be strong in faith. Be strong in action. Be strong in commitment to Christ and love. Love fiercely. Love with all your heart. Your family longs to have your love. Love with all your heart. Biblical agape love. Biblical agape love has confrontation and love. Let me tell you what confrontation and love equals. It equals growth. Biblical agape love does not accept any lifestyle. Biblical agape love loves you the way God loves you to the purpose and plan he has for you. So so sometimes biblical agape love will bring correction. That's the father's heart. And the father loves whom he chastens. The book of Hebrews tells us this. We demonstrate our love by having healthy boundaries, healthy disciplines for our family. And living those out. Which brings us to our second point. Write this. Present emotionally. An article came out on fatherlessness in America this past weekend. And I want to read a part of it. It says, we know that fatherhood is essential to the development of our children. And the increased involvement of fathers in the home leads to better results on a wide variety of outcomes. Now, sometimes when we have special days like this... Sometimes your thoughts can work against you, and the enemy will, will, will use those thoughts against you. Either, either you feel like as a father you failed and you wasn't there, or you were raised in a home where the father wasn't present. So you have all of these emotions, all of these things going on, and the enemy can really trick you to miss what God wants to do in your life. Yes. And can I say this about the church? The church can help fill this gap in fatherlessness. 
I believe the church can provide framework where kids have an absent, who have an absentee father, they see healthy men leading the way in fatherhood. And I believe that we, the church, can be a father to the fatherless. And it's so important. What you miss in your natural relationships, you can find within the body of Christ. So men, you may be saying, well, I don't have kids. Yes, you do. Look around. There are younger men in this house you can be a father to. There are older men that can be fathers to the next generation. May people find what they need in the house of God. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Let's talk about present emotionally. Let me give you a definition. Being present emotionally means being able to recognize and honor your feelings. Being able to experience them fully without getting uncomfortable. And then directing the energy from your emotions into constructive action. If you're keeping notes in your next fill-in-the-blank, write vulnerable. Men, fathers, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Now, this need not just involve that, that you become a sensitive guy and you're crying to all the movies we're watching on Hallmark Channel. Though I have thoroughly enjoyed the last month, my mother-in-law's been here. We've been watching quite a bit of Hallmark Channel. And two days ago, my husband says, I'm kind of over this Hallmark Channel. But it's been fun. He has watched one or two. So I think you have. I think you have. But really. It's not true. <laughs> he says it's the same story, same storyline. Might be in the mountains. Might be in the, in the country. Everything's the same. It's just different people. And it's not always different people. <laughs> same people. All right, but but women, how much? How many of you love it? It's predictable. It's romance. Okay, okay. Men embrace that. So as we're talking about the emotional presence, it's really being able to be emotionally present and and be able to articulate what you're feeling and when you're feeling it, okay? So, so it is emotional presence within a relationship, being comfortable and present with your spouse's emotions, with your children's emotions, because a lot of times, you know, Sometimes we do a little emotional dump and we go, right? Sometimes we have those days and it might be anger, sadness, frustration. There's times when, when we just have to let our emotions go. And, and this is when fathers and spouses are reaching the place where they're not uncomfortable with those emotional outbursts that we might have. But they're able to listen. They're able to be that anchor that we want them to be. To be able to, you know, relate and and not uh, have empathy for us and not be like, go away. <laughs> but really, what what we want as women is to be able to have that stability, that anchor, that that one that we can go to, and not that you have to fix it but that you empathize with us and that you, you hear what we're feeling and you relate to us, okay? We want that rock in our relationship. So the next thing is Jesus was emotionally present with others. Write that, Jesus 
was emotionally present with others. Jesus was emotionally present with the ones he was around. And he listened to them. He spoke in love to them. He taught with authority. Um, he cried with others. He was uh, willing to touch those that were hurting. He was engaged in deep conversations with others, and, and he, moved, he was moved with compassion. There's so many things as we see the emotional health of Jesus that he had, and Jesus drew people to him. It was because they felt emotionally safe with him that they were able to share, and emotional presence uh, comes with approachableness. So we believe that a key to Jesus's emotional health was that first he spent time away from others and with his father. It is so important to spend time with the father. What is going to help us be better emotionally present? It is spending time with the father. And we cannot over, over uh, emphasize this. That in order for us to be who God's called us to be, get in the presence of the Lord. Yes. Get in the presence of God. You can read a ton of books, and that's good. I mean, fill your heart with uh, uh, information. But let the word of God be your primary source. Yes. But there comes a time when you got to take that and get in the presence of the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit take that knowledge and begin to work that knowledge in your life. Which brings us to our third and final point, be present spiritually. Yes. Dad, your spirituality is the most important thing. What makes us a better father, a better husband, a better friend is being a better Christ follower. Sometimes we, we, we chase the symptom. We're trying to be a better Christian, better, a better father, a better husband, when we really need to chase the source. And the source is being in the presence of the Lord. You, you want to be a better husband, a better father, a better, a better friend? Get in the presence of uh, the Lord. Be a Christ follower. Grow in your relationship with Christ. Because as you grow spiritually, you're growing in the likeness of Jesus, who was a perfect example of emotional health. Jesus, the perfect man. And you can become like him. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir today, but one of the things we got to be present at when it talks about spirituality is be present in the house of God. Be present in the house of God. Why is this important? Because church is God's idea. Jesus said this, and Matthew recorded in chapter 16 of his gospel, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The church is how God accomplishes his will on the earth today. The house of God is important. It's important because it's God's idea and because God's word instructs us to be in church. Yes. Hebrews 10 verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing. Yes. It's important because it's the command of God. He tells us be in the house of God. It's important because church is where God's people connect with other believers. It's where... It's where we come together and iron sharpens iron. You know, 60 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is mentioned. Over 60 times, it shows the importance of the body of Christ, the importance of being together. Amen. 
Why is church important? Because the church is God's outlet for evangelism and outreach and missions. Dad, we have the responsibility to impart to our children and grandchildren a biblical worldview. And outreach and missions is a great place to start. We need to instill a biblical worldview. Our kids need to understand that there are others around us who are hurting, who are mistreated, and that we can help and stand in the gap. Our kids need to know that there are people in other nations that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That our neighbor across the street needs to know that Jesus loves them. We need to have an accurate biblical world view. And we can impart that to our children. And, and the church helps us impart that biblical worldview. Another way to be present spiritually is not only to be in the house of God, but be present in the worship of God. Be active in worship. Be vulnerable in worship. Be vulnerable in worship. Make the altar a regular part of your life. Respond to the call of worship. Let your kids see you worship. Let me tell you what's going to build more fondness in your wife's heart, more so than she has even now, is when she sees you worship God. She sees you're being vulnerable in the presence of the Lord. She sees that you're leading the way, going to the altar. Psalm 84, I love this psalm. Listen to what the, the psalmist says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's army. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole body, my whole being, body and soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. The psalmist understood it's more than just a physical reaction. It's more, it's more than just being in the house, but his whole body, he's worshiping the Lord with body and soul. Sometimes you may dance, sometimes you may shout, sometimes you may lift your hand, sometimes you may cry. It's the depthness of that worship experience that's going to touch the next generation. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to, to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. When you're walking through hard times, dad, that's the time to be in the house of God. That's the time to double down on your commitment to the things of God. Because your family needs to see that in that valley of weeping, you trust the Lord to turn it into a valley of blessing. And how many can testify that you've been in the valley of weeping, but the moment you got in the presence of the Lord, it became a valley of blessing. I declare over you, over your family, you may be walking through a hard time, a difficult time. It may be a valley of weeping, but a valley of blessing is on its way. God's going to anoint you. God's going to empower you. God's going to provide. God's going to make a way. Don't believe the lie of the world. Don't believe the lie of the enemy, but shout joyfully to the Lord your God. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I'd rather be in your presence than anywhere else because in your presence, my life has changed. In your presence, my family is healed. In your presence, everything is made better. Let's worship the King.